0: a breather to refocus our thoughts and refill our cups. And now, Laura Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast, once again dives deep down into the ships of Season 3. So tell us, why does my cup look different than before?
1: Great uh, observation there. Uh, we are drinking, this time for Part 2, a Dark and Stormy. I mean, in case you didn't know, that is rum with ginger beer and a bit of lime. And hey, Thomas Roney, you're with us again to talk yet more ships, and you selected this beverage. Why'd you pick this one?
2: Yeah, um, I picked this one because uh, I had rum in my apartment and <laughs> I was uh, I, well. So I got it after our last show. I got excited about the old fashions that we made and especially right. with the blue curacao. And I was like, oh, uh, I should, should take that over in my girlfriend's place. So I did. But then I left it there in her fridge and I didn't have <laughs> that stuff anymore. So I was like, OK, well, well, let's see. Oh, I've got rum. What's a good rum drink? And then I saw the ginger beer rum thing and I thought, Hey, that looks good. And then um when I made mine, the instructions I found was like six parts rum to one part ginger beer.
3: which wow. oh, Sounds that's much insane. Than yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I did not do that. <laughs> I, I did about <laughs> half and a half. Yeah. And even then I feel like it's a little too strong. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've got my extra ginger beer up with me, so as I drink it, I'm just adding more <laughs> more ginger beer in.
1: <laughs> that's probably <laughs> solid. Mine is about one third rum and about two-thirds ginger beer. But it's like I like the uh, ginger beer effect. I, I don't. I don't think we've had a dark and stormy in a while, Aaron. But
0: oh yeah, we we've done it before. But yeah, you can't go wrong with ginger and lime. Uh, it's a delicious no. combo. And I think in whatever measurements, float your boat. Don't listen to what the internet tells you. Do what you want. Yeah. Yeah, Let your heart be your guide or your taste buds. <laughs> One of those two.
1: Yeah. Why not both? Well, let's uh let's pick up talking about the ships of Lordex season three. And you know what? We have to start off with a banger. And you know what? It's not even a ship, but you know what? I don't care. It's a taggy fascist Cardassian eyesore.
3: Damn it, This <laughs> isn't
0: a ship. God, damn, why are you so bad at this? Next like, oh, here's some stalactites! And it's only, come on, <laughs> man, ships, ships. Those are rocks.
1: One job, right? Yeah, I know. But this is from the episode Here All Trust Nothing. And we got to talk about this man because uh, we have not seen Deep Space Nine for some time, and here it is lovingly recreated. It seems pretty accurate to me. I don't know, mm-hmm. Thomas, What do you think? You have the keen eye here. What do you think of the <laughs> exterior?
2: No, it looks great. I mean, I think it's. Um, I mean, it's a clearly. I don't remember how how deeply we went into this on um, on our last show, but you know they're transitioning more and more to three D models. Yeah. Right, you can tell that as opposed to. Doing sort of keyframes, uh, keyframe animation, and and sometimes I think when you do those uh, plates, you don't actually animate anything. You sort of just sort of have the background moving, and you've got the still, you know, still painting or whatever of the ship. But I think I uh, I don't think it's insider information to say that one of the connections that the show built was with the Paramount Archive, uh, that has access to all the models that Eagle Moss, uh, rest in peace. Mm, <laughs> um that yeah. they built for their collection. So every Eagle every model that Eagle Moss made had to start as a computer model, right? Like as a CG sure. model. Even if the even if the original ship was not made in in uh, computer graphics, they had to create a digital file for their you know prototyping printing process. So you know it's possible that this DS9 model was actually uh like some of the other ships we've seen, I'm pretty sure were, were Eagle Moss models that the production got their hands on. But I've it seen. you know, it, it looks good. It's a cool station. Did we go into the um the story about the design of Deep Space Nine last time? I can't remember. Okay, we here. Yeah, okay. not just started
0: talking about DS9. Okay. I was looking forward to.
2: Nice. Yeah, I mean, well, so the the, the thing that I, I feel like it would have been fun for them to go even more deeply into is that DS9 is is actually like an oil rig, right? Yeah. Like Terek Nor right. is the is, is analogous Refinery. to like modern modern day oil rig. Yeah, right so on. you know they pull up raw material and they refine it. And so a lot of the early concept art for DS9 was designed like an oil rig.
0: It's really just interesting designs because it's very blocky and chunky. I'm actually glad they didn't go with it. I love the final design of DS9, but yeah, those those original pieces of concept art were just really fascinating. I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't show up anywhere else in Star Trek.
2: Yeah, I mean, they look like an oil rig in space with like a ton, of lots of pipes and very super industrial. They were right. leaning hard into the, the background. And, you know, Rick Berman, whatever you think of him, he he was right in this instance where he was looking at all these drawings and he said, this needs to be something a child can draw. And, uh, and that is, that is, it sounds silly, but that is the most important thing about making a, you know, a hero ship, um, a flagship for a series is it has to be something that's easy to remember and easy to recreate. Mm. And because that's the thing that, you know, it's like the Nike swoosh, the McDonald's arches, you know, start a good startup design is actually like logo design. It's designing something yeah. that has a very distinct silhouette and personality, and um and so that's why they transitioned from the super complex oil rig to the it's a circle with three spokes, you know, and they, <laughs> they decided the the number three was gonna be the Cardassian motif and everything. But but right. I I that's a I, I wanted to bring that up because in a you know, when we're talking about starships, like that principle is one of the most important things, you know, if you wanna go on and design your own ships, you have to think about like is it yeah it looks cool but is it memorable and is it something that's easy for somebody else to like sketch on a napkin or on paper or whatever and uh and so that story always stuck with me. Yeah.
0: That's actually one of the problems I noticed from Star Trek as it went on is they ran in they went in, they ran into a point where very often you were seeing ships that were like silhouette-wise, right? Basic shape, basic layout. They weren't getting very creative or adventurous. And if you were just to take that silhouette, you would wind up with very samey looking ships. You know, they're the same basic mm-hmm. shape, but different in details. And there's nothing that wrong with that for the, you know, ship of the week. But I even feel no. like they started running into that problem with some of the later starship designs. Like, uh, you know, you had Prometheus or, yeah, Prometheus and Voyager in the same series. And you kind of get what they were trying to do with that. But at the same time, just felt like those ships felt very samey,
1: yeah, mm. yeah. Certainly, DS9, I mean, talk about recognizable. I mean, they milk it for all it's worth in uh, in the Lord Hex episode, <laughs> where they just, just have the ships show up and circle the pylons, circle the pylons and all pylons. that. So, <laughs> what did you guys think of the interior? I mean, the interior was also very faithfully recreated, but it's got some improvements too. There's uh, the Battlest RS, I think, and, and the gift shop in Quarks. Was that yeah. uh, a little too different from the, from the canon you know and love, or was that Welcome additions?
0: Didn't bother me at all. No. You know, uh, Lower Decks has a really, does a really good job of inserting bits that are very tongue-in-cheek, while at the same time just kind of fitting with the galaxy that they're mm-hmm. in. Inevitably, Deep Space Nine, post-Dominion War, is going to be a tourist trap. It's just such a huge part of history, right? <laughs> the Promenade is probably just
3: yeah.
0: filled with touristy shops and destinations.
1: <laughs> it's funny, DSL, so you guys talking about how it started off as an oil rig design. Now that I think about it, I'm kind of like, it's just kind of like an apartment complex with some shops on it. It's kind of like a mall and an apartment yeah. complex
0: with the command center. That, that was always it. the problem I had with Deep Space Nine, though, was like, I think, you didn't no, like no, no, that? No, 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 no.
1: You don't want more apartments, apartment complexes. No, no.
0: I, I like that. I like the design of it. I like the fact that there are shops because it was it was a place where people lived and worked, even if they were you know right. laborers, slaves, or otherwise, depending on how you sell it. <laughs> but my problem is there was just never enough like interior space. I guess if like the thing is surrounded mm. in like some sort of shielding, so like. You know solar radiation and you know that stuff isn't getting to the interior. you could reality just have your ore floating in space, but I felt like there was just never enough interior space for that function
3: hmm.
1: interesting to think about it's it is a i mean there's not a lot like for the you know it's it's clearly been built so that the you know it it's got the spokes on the wheels, like you said thomas and it's it's gives the impression that's bigger than it is. Kind of an interesting optical illusion about the, about the 9 for sure.
2: But I think it was cool. It's great to see. It was great to see. It was great to hear the music.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, the music, for sure.
2: Uh, you know, iconic place, and they clearly excited to be there.
0: And you knew they were going to do it eventually, and I'm just glad that it came off so well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure.
1: Well, let's move on to the other ship. Actually, a uh, shows ship up in this time?
0: Mm-hmm. I know, yeah, right? Congratulations, Stravos. <laughs>
1: It's hard to believe. 50% success rate with this Um, episode. (laughs) I'm making it work. Uh, It's the Karema ship that shows up for the peace negotiations. And we've seen the Karema ship show up once before. And that was in DS9's episode Starship Down. We actually get a better look at it in this episode of Lower Decks than we do in DS9. I did a little bit of research. You don't really get like a, see, you know, see the whole ship view um and DS9 that much so it was really kind of neat i mean i don't know if there's anything super remarkable about the design it looks good but it's not you know it doesn't crazy grab your eye it's it's there it's a thing it looks decent for what it is what do you guys think
2: yeah i'm i was i've always been a fan of designs that are a bit more utilitarian i've been a, i'm a fan of designs that remind you that you know Logistics and are still a thing in in the 24th century, and you know the Karama are traders and merchants. But as described, you know for the Gavin Quadrant. So although you know it's planet of hats, uh, it's kind of silly Holy. that like the <laughs> the Karama they're all merchants and the Ferengi are all merchants and the Klingons <laughs> are all warriors. You know yeah. it's like, 100%. all right, I get I get why that happens in sci-fi, <laughs> but it's also
0: I would assume that the Karema are a lot like the Ferengi. Like, if they were given a prominent role in a series, they would get fleshed out. So that, you know, it's just like the Ferengi. Yeah, they're all just traitors. And then, like, when you actually see them, it's like, oh, no, they actually have a robust society that's just way, way too devoted to, you know, capitalism and economic Darwinism.
2: Right. I mean, we, (laughs) you know, we we, we think about that, like, uh, however people perceive Americans you know like there's there's certainly more to it than that but there's also those reputations come from somewhere so i think what makes it a little weird with star trek is people are conflating culture with genetics right because it's Mm -hmm. like ferengi as a race are profit driven right that that feels icky Vulcans as a race are are super smart and strong (laughs) like (laughs) um so anyway, we don't, we, that, that's a whole rabbit hole. We don't want to Still go down. The can worms, <laughs> sure. We're
0: supposed to be talking it's, it's, about it's ships. It's a solid design. I like it. <laughs> um, like you said, yeah. it's got it's, it's cells. blocky. Yeah. It's uh, very industrial, purpose-driven. The other thing I like about it is it follows the rules for Starship design, except for obviously that it kind of oh, lacks yeah. buzzard collectors, if I recall. And it's also, it's, I'm always disappointed when they don't incorporate deflectors at all in ship design, and like mm. nobody else really does that except the Federation. And I just wish more ships would do it. And I feel like this <laughs> ship is perfectly designed to have a deflector ship, uh deflector shield in its nose, yeah. or deflector dish rather. But other than that, I really like Fair. it. I feel like they made it yeah. its color just to fit in with everything else in this series is colored brown. I feel like just way too many things were brown in DS9. <laughs> that was a
1: very brown show, wasn't it? Well, let's move on to the next ship. You know, oh, we talk boy. about Boxy, and this next ship is actually yeah. quite Boxy as well. This is from the episode Mathematically Perfect Redemption, and we were talking about the Drukmani shuttle. We've seen the Drukmani ships in other episodes, but never the shuttle. It's very much a plot device in this episode because it's got to pop out and the guys of you know, got to make their escape in it and whatever that happens in the episode. But, you know, talk about the Driftmine ships. You know, the capital ships are very boxy, rectangular, cargo shippy look to them. Um, and the shuttle is just like this cute little boxy shuttle and like little nacelles pop out of it. I think it's like it's like cute and industrial looking. I, and I love the way I'm, it just fan. pops
0: out of the ship itself. It's like oh, like the, the aero shuttle on mm. Voyager that you never get to see. Right. <laughs> right, right.
1: It definitely looks like that. It kinda of pops out of the hole there. Um I was going to complain about uh how it has uh warp engines on it, but you know what, Thomas? I I was reminded of our conversation uh in part one about the, the cells generating something, something sub subspace fields, and I was like, you know what? It's fine. Everything's
0: fine.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's cool. I like it's got a kind of homeworld aesthetic to it a little oh, yeah. bit too, and that's, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. that's my vibe. So that.
0: Yeah, definitely love the boxiness of it. But what's the problem with the warp nacelles? How do you know that it can't go to warp? Yeah, you, that's you're right. I don't a lot know that of assumptions either. Assumptions, yeah.
1: Stavros. <laughs> I was upset about this, the the yeah, Gita yeah. from uh, from from our earlier discussion, but I'm over it now. You know what? Little ships can have warp nacelles. Yeah, yeah, Stavros. The shuttle
0: can have warp nacelles if it wants to. Don't don't tell that. <laughs> shuttle right.
2: oh, There are plenty. Of, I mean, the very the very first <laughs> the very <laughs> first shuttle had warp nacelles. The Galileo had, had uh, nacelles. Yeah. But I mean, they they say, they say it has nacelles, but it doesn't actually have warp engines. So I'm not. Yeah, really they call sure. something what,
1: else in original. Yeah,
2: they're right? yeah, or like prosthe pods it. or something. But yeah, yeah. they look like warp engines. So yeah, <laughs> I think you know it's possible that they were like subspace sustainers or something. Like like right. when you fire a torpedo at warp, it has the ability to kind of perpetuate the subspace field around it uh, after it's launched from the ship to keep it going at warp, even though it doesn't have a warp engine of its own. And so maybe that's what mm. the nacelles on the Galileo were. But anyway, <laughs> it could <cool> be a shuttle. <laughs> I want to see a
1: little torpedo with a, a little warp oh nacelle God. attached to it just to perpetuate this.
0: Uh, maybe it doesn't even need a nacelle. <laughs> if you're building torpedoes, why not just do like warp rings, right? Worked for the Vulcans.
1: Oh yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the Vulcans
1: yeah. are really cool. I'm sad you know, that we I'm never saw fan. more designs yeah, sure.
0: of that like style. I know they weren't really introduced till Enterprise, mm-hmm. but it would have been nice if they had built some lore around why they're not used, and then show that some races do actually use mm. them. It, I don't know. I just I liked it, and I wish they would have continued that trend.
1: Mm. For sure. Uh well, let's talk about the other ship that appears or ships I think multiple ships that appear in mathematically perfect redemption and those are the arior ships the uh ancient bird people ships that have been lying dormant on the planet for some time I love that they are they have the bird like wings on them because they belong to bird Is people that, that, that seems to make sense like
0: that I, I just mean, assumed that they were huge batman fans <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're bird people that are fans of bats what's going on but now these ships uh i thought they're they're neat because they're distinct a child could draw them (laughs) as we said before the weapons in fact i thought were very distinctive i was i tried really hard to get a still a decent still of them but it it looks better in animation they're kind of this like cluster beam firing something but it looks really cool regardless it really beats up the cerritos too what do you guys think of them
2: I liked them. I, I, you know, it's always interesting seeing new alien ships and, you know, it's cool. They had a, we talked about silhouette a minute ago and I think they had a unique silhouette that kind of makes a statement about the ship and the race and you know, the fact they're, they're technologically advanced, but that whole, that whole episode is just like batshit insane. But oh, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it, it also reminds me of the bird people from oh, Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. A bit, you know, <laughs> And so I was sort of like just sort of thinking about Zelda the whole time I was watching the episode. <laughs> I can totally see that, but uh, I, I had a lot of fun with that episode. I really, I really enjoyed it, and uh, you know there, were, and it had some great twists and turns, and the ships were were pretty cool. It reminds me of um, they're essentially like the good guy version of like the Vadoir in a way.
0: Oh, in a once well, in civilization that like disappeared.
2: Yeah, well, and they had, and you know, and all their yeah. ships were buried, and you know, like, um, the Vadoir had all of their ships were were beneath the, um, were, you know, just sort of waiting for them to wake up. I think the Vadoir is a better example than, like, the Patu um, the from, not Patu. Oh, my God. That's Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, Patu is Star Wars. <laughs> Baku from Insurrection. Baku, yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: Did they
0: have ships in that movie? I cannot.
1: No,
2: remember. the Baku never had ships, and that's okay. why I think yeah. the the are a better example.
3: Um, yeah. <laughs> right.
0: The one thing about this ship that I found interesting, aside from the fact that it's been, you know, buried for however long and it starts up without any problems. Like, yeah, leave, leave your car <laughs> sitting in a field for 20 years and go and try and start it and see what happens.
3: <laughs> but mm-hmm.
0: it's like a backwards decora, right? Yeah, the Ferengi ship. Yeah, a little bit. Same basic silhouette. I mean, detail's obviously different, but I always kind of wondered about the Decora because sure. was like the the wing parts, is that supposed to be where the warp engines are? Not that I'm saying this thing is warp capable. I don't think it is. I think so. But...
1: Yeah, no obvious warp engines. But yeah, the, the, the Decora had the little glowy bits on it. You know
0: what, It's supposed to be advanced. Mm. Maybe it uses like the Borg style... You know, trans warp, warp engines, whatever they're using, that doesn't require the nacelles.
1: Yeah, we really see gun. is the guns, and that's pretty much it.
2: Well, I mean, there <laughs> are lots. Kind of, of go off the looks. Yeah, there are lots of ships yeah. in Star and Trek. So I kind of like though. that.
0: I like the idea that there's are true. You know, multiple yeah. ways to get across space. I like universes that that have that angle. What do
1: you guys? suppose yeah, sp- so I took a, a, a still of this ship where you can see the underside, and there's this big glowy triangular bit. Mm-hmm. I think that is.
3: Oh, well, the it's
2: impulse the
1: engine. Oh, the engine?
2: Yeah, good. It uh, well, it's going, I mean, the prongs are the front, right? So it's yes. probably the impulse engine would be my guess.
0: Maybe some sort of, like, radiator component or something. Yep.
2: Uh <laughs> oh, radiators. <laughs> We're going back what to the radiators. Con- concept.
0: <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that after our last talk, though, and it's all like, you know, I think there's a point where, like, you can convert between matter and energy that, like, heat management just stops being an issue.
2: Yeah, I mean they they pump raw plasma through their yeah. starship in a bunch of different like you know pipes <laughs> like right. they, they 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 gotta they gotta have it figured out somehow. I mean, um, <laughs> I love like some
3: really good insulation.
0: Race gets yeah. aboard the Enterprise and they're showing them the technology and they're like, "Why is your ship not melting right now?"
3: Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, uh, I, I bet I bet there's something about that in um the TNG Tech manual. That that book is um there's a lot more in there than you think there is. There's like so if, much. I need yeah. to take out my copy.
1: Why is that not online, by the way? I've thought about that before. Why is there no online equivalent?
2: Yeah, crazy. I mean you can you can buy a PDF of it. Like you can buy yeah. a Kindle version of it. Oh, okay. But it's it's actually really thorough and explains what what I think is really cool about it. And I wish that um, it had, you know, that more writers kind of referred to it more strictly is it it not only explains like, you know, the miracle technologies of Star Trek, but also explains their limitations in a way that a lot of writers, I think, kind of forget about. It's like replicators aren't magic like they, you know, it explains like here's how they work and here's why you can't just no, replicate the anything and everything.
0: I need to know about are the limitations of plot.
2: You're right. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Said the writer for yes. every show after this technical <laughs> video was published. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of this quick Google shows. This was published in 91. So there's yeah. been a lot of Star Trek since then.
2: Yeah. It's still in print.
1: How much it's still surprising. in print Row. Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Star Trek fans I've got to have my uh, love their uh, yeah. It's I a, a classic, but it's also, yeah. but I mean, it's um it is I think one of the best examples yeah. of a fictional tech manual like ever made like it's,
0: oh, it's because it's true it's, it's really really well done time from the future
2: <laughs> yeah exactly it feels like that i've been working on my own book project and i've been referring to that a lot so
1: are you doing the paper are you referring to paper version or to kindle version
2: uh or- i have i have like 3 copies of it in paper <laughs> <laughs> one of them oh. actually Signed by Mike right. Okuda. Oh. And he nice. he said his uh, signature said study hard, they will be a test later. <laughs> 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 Which, uh, I love I it. Was great.
0: Amazing.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to the next ship. We're actually going to move on to Crisis Point Two. Um, and if you recall right. at the beginning of that uh,
2: episode. What a good episode, man. Yeah. I love this episode. I think Aaron's uh, favorite episode.
1: We were right? we
0: were talking like, yeah. yeah, we spent a significant amount of time talking about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> on our uh, season three retrospective. I, this episode is definitely one of my top episodes for the series.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really good. Uh, but let's talk about the ship that shows up here. We get to see a Valdor, but you, and it's a Valdor, but it's a Valdor variant because there's a pod on it. And uh, I mean, you know what they say, if you need a variant, you just throw a pod on it.
2: Yeah, it, that's what I, that's right. my philosophy.
0: <laughs> Is it just a Valdor with a pod? I, I felt like it looks the like Details it. were different.
1: Yeah, I mean, what kind of details can we pick uh, out here? There's some. If only we had on an front.
0: expert here to online <laughs> on
1: <this.
3: laughs> no, not just
2: an expert, but an expert who recently supervised the development of this model for Star Trek Ooh, Online. in specific. Model. Unfortunately, we didn't get the we didn't get the show asset, so I didn't. I haven't. I, I should say I have not had a close look at it, but you know we studied a lot of the screenshots and stuff and yes there are some minor structural differences there are some things that are lit that weren't lit in the original nemesis model and vice versa there's some little areas that are structurally a little bit but it it is unequivocally like a valdor type yeah. ship essentially a refit or another you know another variant and it has the giant like shark fin on the back which is super cool so right. in Star Trek Online we, we wanted to do a legendary we this having this ship show up in lower decks was like great, this gives us an excuse to do a new version of the Valdor in STO or excuse me. We call the class name so the ship name in Nemesis is Valdor. Uh, right. Which is Valdor different type, from the class right. name. Yeah, Valdor yeah. type on uh, memory alpha. Uh our class name that he's in the game is Mogai. So so we wanted a new right. version of the Mogai, we wanted an excuse to revamp the Mogai because our model was like eight years old or almost 10 years old at this point so yeah so we were able to make a new version based on lower decks and sell that version and that sort of underwrit the remastering of the original canon version as well and it was nice because they were you know they shared a lot of bits
1: yeah it's weird because we haven't seen this sh- this the valdor type or the mogai in almost, I mean, it's been in Nemesis and it's been in this episode of Lower Decks and
0: I think that's it.
2: That's it. Yeah, canonically, those are the two. You know, and
0: and I I talked about this briefly when we were uh, talking about um, the Dideradex (laughs) and I I just, I don't like the Valdor. I I, I prefer like the direction they were going with the Dideradex and I wish they had like continued to evolve that basic shape. So I was kind of disappointed mm. that they, and it's, I mean, the other problem is it's very similar to a bird of prey, which, you know, makes sense because the mm. original idea of the bird of prey was that it was a stolen Romulan vessel, but that cannon got abandoned. And so now it doesn't make as much sense. And I just, <laughs> I don't know.
1: I think you're off the show is what I think. I think <laughs> yeah, you're completely wrong. I love the shit. I, I can see where you're going with it being the silhouette being similar, from the top view being similar to a, a Klingon bird of prey. But it's just so cool, man. I don't know. Yeah. I wish there was more of it. I was actually disappointed. If you recall, there's that episode where uh, Brotherford keeps blacking out, and he goes on this black ops mission to rob mm-hmm. you on the space with the uh, Yep. And you know the ships are scanning, and it's
2: all the Derraxx.
0: I'm like, why aren't there Valdors? <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, I, 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 well, I know it's,
2: it.
0: it's a fan favorite, so.
2: Well, and it's also one of those things that's interesting because the nature of the episode of Crisis Point 2 makes it suspect that it's actually canon. Yeah, you're absolutely right. right. (laughs) It's like Vindicta's ship in (laughs) Crisis Point 1. Is probably not actually a starship in the real universe. It's like a D seven right. with a giant, a giant gun on top, uh, and right. it's sort of like, well, this was this just sort of Boimler's like, oh, I think sharks are cool, so I'm going to make the Valdor look like a shark, right? <laughs> yeah. Or is this an actual variant? And so for SPO, we just sort of chose to believe that this is a real variant, <laughs> but it's it's sort it's sort of like open the question whether or not this is a real version of the ship uh that the Roman star empire used or it's just like you know from Boy Miller made it up. imagination you know?
1: <laughs> it's funny because they i mean did you get the sense this is a 3d model i think so uh, yeah, i think all it's of funny because the... it's it's just in in frame it's for such a small amount of time you barely get a glimpse of it it was exceedingly hard to get a, a screen capture of it that shows the uh the little pod on there so it's crazy they yeah. built this whole model. It's
2: on
3: screen for...
1: Well, I, again, I think
2: it was probably started as an Eagle Moss asset that they converted oh, and then Kipash okay. to add the, the fin to it. Like, Got it. I think the uh, the Sovereign that we're going to talk about next is yeah. uh, is kind of the same.
0: I do wonder, though, yeah. if like some of these one-off ships that are popping up that are like, you know, cannon race ships, if they're not building just like an asset library for future use or, you know... Um, could be. So if they ever run into that point where they're like, we're low on money, they can just be like, okay, let's just use these things we've already made and slap them together right. for an episode <laughs> without having to yeah, do a bottle yeah. episode.
2: That, that, that would certainly be you know a good thing to do. I mean, it's something, you know, it starts to kind of like like, um, every time I talk to somebody at Paramount, I'm like, hey guys, you know, if you, you know, I mean, that's, and that's actually, that's literally what happened with Picard seasons two and three, yeah. where it was like, <laughs> we need more Starfleet chips. We don't have time or money to make them. Who has Starfleet ships? Oh, Star Trek Online has a ton of them, <laughs> and so they reached out to us and and uh, and worked with us to you know send them over. And um, you know, we're we're lucky that they were willing to do that. They were open to do that, and not just production designer Dave Blast, but also Brian Staskey, the PFX supervisor. They saw that you know our, our models were good enough to to show up in the background and stuff. And so I would, you know, I would certainly love if more shows took advantage of of our stuff as um, I think it would hold up fine on Lower Decks or Prodigy. But, you know, I Mm. think it's a smart thing to do.
1: Yeah. Got to save that money when you can. Bestio's done it. Why make it yourself? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Uh, Well, let's actually move on and talk about The Sovereign. It actually shows up in two episodes uh, in Crisis Point, which we're talking about right now, and then later in The Stars at Night. Uh, We've got the USS Wayfarer under... boimler's (laughs) boimler's <laughs> holographic command um, yeah. and the uss man <laughs> i thought the ship looked freaking great i thought the sovereign looked great in the films where it shows up but man does it look good in the show i don't know what it is if it's the lighting so or
0: I, in my know. opinion it's the toned down aztec but it also almost has like mm. a chrome sheen to it
2: yeah yeah is that what it is it might yeah. be Boimler wanted to use the platinum shield from, uh, <laughs> from Star Trek Online. It it, it feels like that, yeah, right? It feels like totally yeah, totally, yeah. I want the I want the Sovereign, but like twenty percent more badass. Because um, I, I feel like when the Van Sitter shows up, it's just a Isn't normal. Not yeah. it's not. I mean, it's pretty, but it's it's just you know, it's using the canonical like high contrast color scheme, and the the Wayfarer is very um,
0: very shiny chrome.
2: Yeah, yeah, it looks cool. Uh, it's cool, but yeah, it, it definitely, um, it definitely feels embellished for the sake of of the drama.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that Captain Bucephalus dagger certainly knows how to paint a mm-hmm. ship. It's, uh,
3: Do the captains go get that. to
0: decide how to paint their ship?
3: No, <laughs> I... Yeah, I
0: believe it because I, Picard strikes me as a man who would paint his ship eggshell blue.
2: <laughs>
3: right, God.
2: Let me see. I mean, like. In Star Trek Online, they yeah. do. Well,
3: sure, that's but, true.
2: But certainly, I don't know. I I can't imagine no. in the real Navy that captains get to paint <laughs> this shit.
1: Hey, you know, in this show in lower decks, Captain Freeman's like, "I don't want upgrades. I want my I old want to come crappy out ship out back." A sovereign but...
0: looking. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I now I, so, I hey, want to see a sovereign style Cerritos. Make it happen.
1: It will see a a, 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 a a some kind of teched out california class at some point who knows mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway i love the i love the sovereign with both its appearances it looks really great almost better than the films i would I, say you know it really definitely to, really the, the
0: shiny and chrome version definitely leapfrogged ahead mm-hmm. of any of the movie versions for me
1: yeah completely uh let's move on to another crisis point two this is also not a ship aaron
0: stavros one job you had it is the, one job
1: <laughs> completely failing i know oh, uh, but no. it is the temporal research lab and it looks like it
0: is the office complex. a chopped
1: off head Bits yeah on. Of the uh regular yeah. type yeah but i think this one's got to be a 2d model would you agree oh, yeah this has got to be another a model a 2d you drawing.
0: can very much tell that it's It's some type of painting, most likely just like a paint over, because I feel like I've seen this exact scene in
1: DS9, Really? I want to say. I did not recognize it, so it's possible. But I obviously needed a place to set the Wrath of Khan interior, you know, rip off. (laughs) So I don't know. It's it's fine. It just looks a lot like the regular type station top, which is fine. That's all they need.
2: Which, I mean, funnily enough, started life upside down, like, or became, they took the model right. from the motion picture as the office complex and flipped it over to make regular <laughs> right. one. But right. yeah, I don't really have anything to add to. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, I one thing I think is kind of cool is that they were like, okay, we we need this station that's on an asteroid or a moon or whatever. And instead of just drawing some random buildings, they went back and said, "Oh, what you know? What can yeah. we use from Star right. Trek that fits the bill?" And people are going to be like, "Oh, look!" And I totally believe that that those stations last for, you know, a hundred years or whatever because that buildings in the real world last that long. You know, right? Like Why not? Yeah. You know, infrastructure in the real world is maintained and upgraded.
0: Our buildings don't have shields and structural integrity fields, and aren't made right, out of exactly. super materials from the future.
1: Uh, one thing that caught my eye about this: there's some kind of uh, docking doors there, maybe some kind of exterior doors, uh, but they got little windows on them, and that's not really something you see in a lot of Star Trek. Yeah,
0: it's a little weird. How do you guys
1: feel about that? Is is that a, a little I weird think it's detail just a there? Designer,
0: or... Like whoever was putting it together was doing it fast, and those windows they look mm. to me like they're just like an overlay layer.
2: Yeah. You might also have things where like several artists are working on the same. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. or something. And so like yeah. the person who the windows isn't the person who picked the pick the ship or. Right. Also worth noting, the reference for this would have had the win- the door open. I don't think you ever see this model mm. with the door, door closed. closed. Sure. Mm. So it's crazy. I'm pretty sure. It doesn't look like that if it's closed. So the, the uses of this model that I can think of at the top of my head are motion picture, obviously, Wrath of Khan, and then it's used in TNG and DS9. Yeah. Um, it's used in TNG in Measure of a Man, and then used in DS9 for Starbase 327 or whatever. But I feel like in all of those cases, that hangar bay is open. Yeah, no, you're, you're right, because it always
0: has the weird X design, right?
2: Yeah. Um, right, some
1: kind of lit yeah. up X in there, yeah. So, I mean, who knows what that is? I mean, is it a dock? I mean, maybe there are light, there are windows yeah, in the doors. And you use it for something else.
2: Uh, all right. start. Hold on. Starbase 357. I have to correct myself for one of your <laughs> oh, listeners. Well. Makes lots you know, of difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Clearly, you don't listen
0: to the show because in my drunken ramblings, I get stuff wrong all the time. <laughs> And when I sober up,
3: (laughs) and no one cares.
0: Oh no, the fans are going to hate this, and nobody says anything.
1: Yeah, you can say whatever you want on the show. That's uh, you know
0: the the windows being on there though actually now makes me feel like that makes more sense. That you know what uh, this is probably some standard model you know framework that they just you know build out in space wherever they need a station, and that area is normally like a docking port or a repair bay for ships. But they're like, oh yeah, we're not going to need that, so they put slapped some you know standard issue doors on it and then cut holes in it for windows.
1: Yeah, that's uh, my headcanon. They put like the the bedroom in the garage. Yeah, that's how you can tell I'm a true
0: Star Trek fan. I'm going through mental gymnastics (laughs) to explain a tidy little (laughs) (laughs) ground.
1: It's the it's the station equivalent of delicious street corn. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's how you make it work.
0: Oh man, we got more ships. <laughs>
1: anyway, I think that's let's talk enough about, about this. An <laughs> ship here. Come yeah, on. let's talk about more ships. <sighs> oh yeah,
0: my.
1: yeah, I got yes. I got a real ship for you next. It's the uh, another crisis point ship. It's yes. the Colts freighter. And at first, there's a little story behind this. When I was putting this notes together, I was like, "What the hell is this? This is just a random, you know, nonsense freighter." And then Aaron picks it out successfully as the Batris redress, and in case you didn't know, listener-wise, the Battress was a the the ship that the Klingons took uh, a hold of in TNG's Heart of Glory. It's supposed to be a Talarian freighter, and mm. you know, looking at how that ship appears in Memory Alpha, it's it's got to be it's got to be the same silhouette. They clearly took that design from that episode.
2: Yeah, and I think this is absolutely another – it's definitely a 3D model. I think it's absolutely another uh, Eagle Moss model that they incorporated in the production because it's so – it's actually way more detailed than a lot of the Lower Decks original chips are. Like, you look at all the piping and, you know, all that stuff, and uh, and I think it, the, stylistically, I think they were just like, oh, this is cool. They, you know, they, they, I'm sure they went through all the Eagle Moss models they had, and they're like, oh, this is – we need a generic freighter. Uh, here's a good example. And this uh, this freighter model was yeah, used quite, quite a, a bit as an
0: understatement. Mm. Like I feel like whenever they <laughs> needed ah, we need a freighter. They're like, okay, let's pull out the mattress and rip some parts off and glue some <laughs> yep. other things on. It's been like upside right, upside yeah. down. It's had nacelles added and removed. You know, it's just it's <laughs> is there even a series where it doesn't show up? Because I know it was in all of the TNG era series. Did it make it into Enterprise? Yeah. Yep. Enterprise, it. yep. Voyager, yep. Prodigy, Wait, yep. It was in Prodigy? Really? <laughs> Apparently? Oh. Yeah, that's what it says.
1: What? Crossroads. Yeah, it says O'Connor's Ship. Oh, wow. I have to look into this. Uh, it's xastroscientia.org. Oh, because
2: it, well, it was O'Connor's it was kind of Ship in oh, TNG, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh.
1: Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense.
3: Yeah. yeah,
2: it was the class nine <laughs> cargo freighter vessel erstwhile TNG the outrageous Sokana. So of yeah, course Erstwile, they would use yeah. it. So I guess the it wasn't in it wasn't in Discovery or see and another reason hard. to hate Discovery
3: just
2: right. strange new worlds. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. That's brutal.
2: because oh, <laughs> yes. the
1: batteries didn't
2: show up. That now, Team that's, bat- your, that now that's your bar. That's your barometer.
0: In Discovery is no batteries.
2: <laughs> uh, all right all right hashtag <laughs> batris boys <laughs> on twitter yeah make it a thing with batris with a z boys. oh okay. you know, okay, of course so i, I
0: kind of sidetracked here i mean i i really do like this what ship, right the Impossible. overall basic shape and design yeah it looks good
1: it's a they actually get their money's worth yeah there there are multiple yeah. exterior shots of this ship way more than the temporal research station or <laughs> i don't know almost <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, the there's, lot of, there's a I lot of. The problem is I don't see
0: like clear stuff pork stuff. Nacelles?
1: Yeah, what are the nacelles here? It's they got the three in the back, and then the the bigger glowy yeah. bits on the bottom. Which no, got I a don't really repairs.
0: care. I like the design. Who knows? Um, I like the idea that it, it it strikes me as something that was built and then used for like a hundred years, and in and like that hundred years is like yeah. going from you know. TOS to TNG, or you know, like, Enterprise to TOS, where technology just kept leaping up, so they kept adding stuff onto it to to keep right. up. That's really the yeah. feel I get from it.
2: I wanted to point out that the cargo pods are reminiscent of the DY-100 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from Spacey, too. Like, oh. the, the way they sort of, like, hang out, uh, hang off, and their shape and everything. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder if that was kind of a uh, a little nod. I actually. I wonder who. I would bet money. I could be wrong, but I mean, this was designed early enough in TNG that there's a possibility that Andy Probert actually designed this. And uh, and if he did, then I'm sure that DY-100 reference was intentional. Because he was a big he was a big fan of like honoring whatever sort of technological precedent you know early Star Trek had set. Yeah, and he claims awesome. to claims to have received the rules of starship design from Gene Roddenberry, mm. which he is related. But I've never I've never seen anybody quote Gene Roddenberry directly with those rules. So I don't know if that was just sort of
0: Roddenberry. So like, it's possible okay. it's just something he said at a random time. Because that's like the thing when like you like start like listening mm. to people talking <laughs> about Gene Roddenberry. He always said just like contradictory things all the time, right? Even about, like, just his development of Star <laughs> Trek itself and the lore there was just all over the place. I think just, I, I get the feeling mm-hmm. that Roddenberry was just a very, like, had, like, a very grandiose style in how he presented things. So rather than just saying, hey, here's a random idea, it's all like, mm-hmm. this is the genius vision, you know?
2: <laughs>
1: hey, he's got to have a talking man, you know?
2: I do recommend uh there's an amazing interview with Gene Roddenberry on YouTube. Um I need to look up the actual uh guy, but it's it's uh it's from the 70s before but before yeah. the motion picture happens. So what's cool about it is like it's before Gene Roddenberry has a legacy. It's just sort of like mm-hmm. at this point in his life Star Trek was just a TV show that he did. So it's it's really cool to hear him talk about Star Trek as essentially a job and then he's very like conscious about you know like uh somebody asked you know the guy asked me a question about Klingons and he's like oh yeah. I didn't make up the Klingons. this other guy did you know like he's not <laughs> he's not trying to like assume yeah. the the godhood of of Star Trek yet
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: and uh that's yeah. Scott Arthur, so uh is the name of that so i I recommend mm-hmm. people go look up that that interview. It's really interesting Ooh. um, I just want to wrap up the battress because i I did look it up, so it actually wasn't designed at all. It was a kit bash of a model from v the, the miniseries V, what? Uh, b- b- built by model gr- uh, maker Greg Jean, <laughs> and it's, wow. it's it got
0: remade like four times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> wow.
1: Is the batteries redressing each one of those? I feel uh, like it is. With the amount of it's, it's not it's even
0: made. like one ship, it's like several ships glued together.
2: Yeah, we took parts mm-hmm. left, we had left over from and... V and Captain EO and the space Oh, an Earth
0: Star Voyager. What a oh. weird coincidence. Oh, wow. I was just watching earth star voyager this morning <laughs> talk about crazy random happenstance <laughs> by the way highly recommend that that's
2: Battress boys all right you guys need a Battress boys uh t-shirt oh my God. <laughs> my we're
1: gonna make it work yeah <laughs> get enough uh retweets you know we'll make, we'll, we'll make a shirt we'll sell it we'll, get, we'll retire off that money <laughs> let's uh i feel like we've had enough of the battress let's move yeah, on <laughs> <laughs> to the final uh ship that appears in oh, crisis point two um it is an unnamed defiant class that Boimler, the the duple Boimler wakes up on and it's you know implied to be a section thirty one ship. Uh but Thomas we get only Boiler. a single yeah. <laughs> only a single uh exterior shot of it. Um it looks like yeah. a painting to me. Would you agree, yeah, Thomas?
2: I, yeah. I think so. Yeah.
1: It's got a definite distinctive look to it. I'm already upset of ships that don't have their names on it.
0: Yeah, because you know, section thirty-one is is so known for their their name tag. <laughs>
1: Fashion Thirty One. Everyone knows about it, anyway. You might as well put the, the damn name on call it out yeah.
0: This episode. Wait, if we're a secret clandestine organization, why do we wear badges?
3: Yeah, yeah that was great. <laughs> that was what's good. the
0: deal with the weird angular nacelles going on here? Can we talk? Yeah, about this? yeah.
1: What's going on? And the blue, the blue uh buzzer collectors too. Also gives gives it a unique look. I don't know. It's a little bit crazy. It it feels like someone kind of like stretched it out. Like they kind of grabbed it and tugged, it and they did a little stretch out, and then repainted the uh, buzzer collectors. And now it's a Defiant class. But what do you guys think?
2: Uh, this is another example of like, oh man, it would have been cool to work with them because we have, if they wanted a you know stealth bomber Defiant, we have uh, in Star Trek Online we've got the Phantom, which is That's a very
3: very cool design. You know, yes. in,
2: Intel. Escort that you know is clearly inspired by the Defiant, but is much yeah. more, much sleeker and very like a stealth fighter inspired. It would have been cool to to use that for this. It would have been perfect. But you know, I think I think it's I think they wanted something that looked a little a little meaner, and so that's why they tapered the the engines the way they did, and they gave it the the section 31 paint job, which is canonical, right? right? I mean, that's that's, that's how true. it looks in Discovery. It's so I think they there was precedent there, whether they were explicitly following the Discovery precedent yeah. or not, or if it was just like it's Section thirty one, they're black ops, they should have a stealth fighter, Defiant. But in any case, I you know it does it's it serves the story pretty well. Uh, I think I think we could have helped them out with a really cool thing that was a little more unique, yeah. you know. Um, but one one thing I did want to bring up that this made me think of is Star Trek Away Team. Oh um, yeah, they're which, on the Defiant class yeah, in, that, sh- in that, sh- yeah. or that game, and it's it's not it's like a super covert Defiant class too. Right, uh, I'm trying well, to like, find a it's, picture it's of a it. It's a
0: Variant but... of the Defiant, though it's not a bog standard variant,
3: if I recall correctly. No, it,
2: yeah, like I never, I, I'll be, I'll be honest, I never played the game myself because I wasn't super into like tactical XCOM games at the time. Which it was right. an Xcom style game, right, with a Star Trek skin, essentially
3: um
1: kind of yeah, that that style was very popular at the time, like you said,
2: It wasn't my game, but it was it was something I remember kind of following, and it's a uh, you know, and I think there is room. I wish that you know in the '90s, they weren't afraid to like, hey, let's take Xcom and put a Star Trek skin on it, and like as long as you find people who want to make a cool product and uh, want to tell a good story or, you know, like, care about tying the game mechanics together. Let's make a shooter on Voyager. Like, Elite Force is an awesome game. I I
0: enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It was was very weird, but I also like that they, it, it was a good game. They did a lot of exploration of, like, what they could get away with, and they introduced a lot of cool stuff.
2: Yeah, and like the the I thought it was inspired that they like were like okay, how do we adapt yeah. all these like shooter genre tropes to Star Trek? And actually, they had great yeah. ideas, the, like the equipment all, your was giant in inventory the of weapons.
0: transporter buffer
1: on you, yeah. <laughs> the transporter. Buffer? I always thought yeah. that that could belong in Sto, and it never made it. But. Yeah,
2: <laughs> totally. That was, that was super cool. Um, <laughs> and I I just wish you know I just wish there were more modern things like that, like, oh hey, this is let's do a new Star Trek X skinned XCOM or let's do I mean like we've got a uh, Resurgence coming out soon which I'm really really hyped yes. about. That's um it. which is a you know I think a perfect marriage of, you know, like Star Trek plus telltale develop veteran adventure. Right. Uh, adventure style game. And I just I think there's a lot of room there. Um and Star Trek I- I'm doesn't glad have they're to. getting
0: back to that of like yeah, the, like just a variety of Star Trek games. There was a long run there, where the only type of Star Trek games that were getting made were Star Trek ship games, and I'm glad that that's kind of, you know getting derailed.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: By the way, I found the uh, ship from uh, Away Team. It's the USS Incursion. Ah, uh, it looks nice. like uh, it looks like someone took a defined class and just shoved them in the nacelles like right up
2: into the middle. Interesting. You'll have to <laughs> find more views of this. So I asked a yeah. while back if we could use designs from older Star Trek games in Star Trek Online and the and the answer I got back was yes, as long as we made mm. brand new art. So like we'd have to make sure. a new model. We couldn't use the original model. Yeah. Right. But I mean this is this would be an easy this would be a cool thing to include in STO somehow i'll have to look into it some more
1: anyway we're getting off track here let's uh mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get back to more ships yeah ships. That um, this next name. One, i know i wish they did this next one doesn't have a name but you know what um, it pod. shows the basis from yeah it's from trusted sources um it's starbase 80s shuttle pod i think it's a type 15 but thomas you can totally correct me if i'm wrong there i it, it's difficult to, to tell some of these guys apart but i think it's a type 15
2: Awful uh, look, um, I'm not fluent in <laughs> Shuttlepod.
1: You're not fluent from well, shuttles to shuttles. so many
2: of like, them.
0: Maybe. You don't have your uh, Shuttlepod spotting uh, book on <laughs> <laughs> right? there area. That's the top brocula. 14 in that tree!
2: It's just like
0: home.
2: Whatever the bog standard two-person yeah. Shuttlepod in TNG was, <laughs> uh, that's definitely yeah. what this is. Yeah.
0: Very, very well maintained piece of hardware. There,
3: yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love they
1: they keep the motif going for Starbase yeah. eighty even through the shuttle pod. Uh, it it's great. Some some poor artist. Well, luckily artist maybe depending on yeah. the, your your point of view got to take this bottle and dirty it up a bit. Mm-hmm. To yep, make it fit yeah, that, that aesthetic.
2: Cool. The Type fifteen is right. That's right.
1: Yeah. Cool. It's crazy that you can tell, like, it's funny just how boxy the shuttle is. I mean, even in TNG, even in the early 90s, they're like, this was a mistake, and they made the Type 6, and <laughs> which has a lot more curves to it.
0: Well, to be fair, they, they had shuttle designs that they wanted to do from the outset that were very, like, I just majestic. But I think right. there was cost issues, which is why we got the more toned down oh. shuttles. <laughs> yeah,
2: because... Uh, this this was a lot. I mean, this is when you build a shuttle, you have to build a full size yep. prop, right? And this that's was true. this is what they could afford to build as a full size prop. <laughs> that's fair. And curves are expensive, uh, and that's and that's actually I think somebody said that when they were, I think it was like Bob Justman was showing Doug Drexler, showing somebody in a model of you know of the Enterprise D, and he was like, "There's not a straight line on it." <laughs> and he he meant that as bragging rights of how expensive it was to build it.
1: <laughs> I believe it.
2: So yeah, I think I think the Type 15 were are just sort of like this is what we can yeah. build a full size prop of. Because yeah. the I don't know if it's um Type Seven maybe the Probert. So Andy Probert designed a bespoke you know a new shuttle pod or shuttle craft for TNG and like like Aaron said it was like. Right. Very curvy. And, Basically and a flying saucer
0: with nacelles. It was it was a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful design. And, like, they didn't yeah. board it via the back. There was, like, a ramp that came down underneath the, like, forward command room. Oh. I, like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I was yeah. always disappointed that we never saw that realized. Um, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it's a Type yeah, 7. Far and Away was one of my favorite concepts. And very disappointed we never saw it.
2: There's a good painting of it, I think, in the ship, Ships of the line calendars.
0: what oh, is it really?
2: Ooh. Make
1: yeah.
0: That
1: Boy. The main thing I love about this shuttle is, I mean, aside from the fact that it's all grimed up, just the fact that it has the the weird, <laughs> cheaper lines to it just totally fits the Starbase ADMO Oh, yeah. Of, of just like,
2: <laughs> shitty. You might have even had that conversation of like, what's the worst shuttle? <laughs> and then... <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love that it's all totally, it, it definitely is <laughs> ranks amongst my it's so weird to see it in like late tng too where i think there are episodes where you know data and geordi are flying the shuttle and it's one of these bad boys and it just doesn't fit with like the the like just the the lines just don't fit with the tng aesthetic yeah yeah it's weird but yeah it works great here to to personify starbase ad a little bit more
0: it shows up pretty late in the series too, if I recall. Like, there's never a moment yeah, I know. where they're You're like, right. "They had the Type Six let's, let's guys, just, just strike this six. thing and pretend <laughs> it never happened."
3: <laughs>
1: Doesn't like data crash in the show? They're probably like, "We're going to destroy this prop. Yeah. Let's uh, have it crash in an episode." <laughs> anyway, enough about the Type 15. Uh, let's move on to later in the episode of Trusted Sources. Uh, when the Breen attack the Cerritos, and we get at, you know, a nice, good look starship. of the Breeners.
0: I actually think the the paint job and the lighting in this is like better than the original DS9 appearance. <laughs> yeah. I kind of agree. It's got yeah. the
1: same. It's not chrome like uh, the Wayfarer, yeah. but something about the lighting. And, and I don't know. It
0: just looks really good. Yeah. And I always like the Breen ships.
2: They can use texture maps bigger than 512 by 512. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. You know, though, yeah. uh, this, this does have my problem of the asymmetrical ship issue, and we'll talk about it more later. Like, there's no reason to make it asymmetrical. It's just more engineering effort to make it go properly. But, I mean, you know, tech <laughs> is magic, so whatever. I'm going to allow it. It looks pretty. Yeah.
3: What do you think, that Thomas?
2: Any cool. reactions? Ah, oh, it was it was cool to see Breen stuff again. Um, yeah. I I actually I think it's cool to have asymmetrical ships every once in a while. It, you know, it makes them more more alien. Um, Definitely and Definitely. unexpected.
0: Yep. Like I said, love the Breen ships.
2: Yeah. yeah. I was kind of I was kind of hoping we'd
1: get like a variant or something. I mean, you know, I it, again expensive to make a new yeah. Breen ship, but yeah. just seeing the interceptor back and looking as pretty as it does. Yeah. Looks really good.
0: Wait, are they? Are they, a, always a fine interceptors? Line walk. are they actually interceptors? Is that what they were referred to as in DS9? I think
1: so. I,
2: yeah, sense. I didn't. I don't know if they had a canon name. Uh, maybe that was used. Emory Alpha like, calls them uh,
1: green interceptors.
2: All right. So, right Emory Alpha for? is never I, wrong.
1: <laughs> never
2: wrong. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, I, I generally feel like they're pretty anal about what they include yeah. as canon right that's true i just
0: love the yeah. fact that like you'll be on memory alpha like the day after an episode aired and they'll have a full article with references cited <laughs> and links already in there and you're like
1: i
3: love it you just
0: you just as soon as the episode airs you spend are you guys up all night just re-watching pulling everything out you can I just, I'm always amazed. <laughs> hey, you
1: got to get the bragging rights of uh, being the one to, to update memory alphas.
0: Yeah, this, this, this is how it works. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> Let's move on to uh, the last ship that shows up in trusted sources, but also shows up in the stars at night. And that is our favorite antagonist ship, the Texas class.
3: Yeah.
1: And you know, it's evil because the lights that are blue turn red eventually. Mm-hmm. I think That's my favorite part about the ship
0: when it goes bad.
1: when it gets hijacked uh, i want to talk about this ship
0: but like the first thing i want to talk about is the msd have you guys checked this out
1: yeah it's uh it's got a lot of interesting detail to it i want to know what these like deck long dotted lines are though i'm not an msd connoisseur but i don't remember seeing a lot of these type types of things i assume this kind of ship doesn't need a lot of the labels the are Facebook. all
2: inconveniently yeah. Morse code.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I not Are there is there precedent for these in MSDs?
2: I would assume yeah. that they are. They're either turbo lifts or power conduits. Probably the latter. Uh,
0: yeah, hmm. or possibly even like you know material or power storage um, units. Yeah, right. Like the fact though that like and this is what I really love. It's all machinery, right? Because it's an automated ship. There's none of the usual like deck stuff, but there is actually human space in there, and you can see that with the people. But it's just empty rooms. Mm -hmm. I just they did a really good job. There's There's a lot of attention to detail in this that is just fantastic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. what a
1: hero, the guy that made this MSD and jammed it into an episode for like a two second shot. Right. You know
0: what though? They know their (laughs) fans. It looks great. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, they're gonna freeze frame it. People like us are gonna freeze frame it. So. You can see some detail in there aside from the empty rooms. Like I think you can see a computer core or two. Yeah. You can see the details on the warp missile. cell. Yeah. I think there's like maybe some vehicles toward the back. Yeah. So there's yeah, interesting I mean,
2: stuff in there. Well we when we brought in STO, I had the artists who built it, Tobias Richter, um built it, built our model for us. And he included a few escape pods with the idea that like um, well, per, I mean, first of all, an STO, if you're flying the ship, you you obviously have a, at least yeah, a small right. crew You're on it. But, right. <laughs> but but ultimately, even even with automated things like this, you would want at least a few places where people yep. could go to, for maintenance and, you know, sure. um, and upkeep and all and, that stuff. So it makes sense yeah, to me. And
3: it's
0: also, you know, it's on second contact missions. So there's a good possibility it would need to bring people aboard and transport them from point A to point B. No, yeah, yep. um, makes yeah. Sense. Yeah. given that it seems to be able to, you know, replicate large scale items, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in a, you know, replicator, you know, database there is, okay, this is a ten by ten room and we just replicate right, right. into it all the furniture that we need for a person to be comfortable.
2: Yeah, totally. That makes sense.
1: Um, it was interesting. I was thinking about, if, are there other examples of uh, unmanned ships uh, in Star Trek? And the, the ones that come to mind first are the Section 31 ships from uh, Discovery. Mm-hmm. And <laughs>
0: funny enough, you're... Starfleet never learns its lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. One bad experience with genetic engineering 500 years ago. And we're still banning it in even the most necessary right. situations. But... Bad experience after bad experience after bad experience with sentient starships. And we
2: just keep trying <laughs> again.
1: Uh, but the interesting things about those Section 31 ships is those actually do look like uh, those in, the Intel ships that are in STO. Mm-hmm. Interestingly.
2: Yeah, so we – and I sort of – I attribute that to parallel evolution in the sense of, like, it's an intelligent ship, so the obvious thing to do. And what we did yeah. was – Oh, uh, look at you know stealth bombers, stealth uh, spy planes like the U two, the SR seventy one, obviously the B two and the F one seventeen, and and go from there, right? It's just sure. it's just where you your mind goes naturally.
3: Sure.
0: Design doesn't happen in a void. That's why the uh, original Enterprise is several rocket ships strapped to a flying saucer. <laughs> Indeed.
2: Well, yeah, uh, we could we could go on. The, that's a big deal let, let, let's not dive
0: into that i was making a joke <laughs> let's not dive don't in. don't
2: dare it. don't
1: you dare we're
0: already over this is Star Trek. we can't
1: it. we can't make jokes about this this is serious business all right uh, super serious Indeed. guys let's focus on <laughs> here uh one thing i wanted to bring up last thing i want to bring up about the, about the texas class it looked very uh nova class reminiscent I agree. Um, do you guys think that's intentional it's gotta be, right? Like it's got the little divot in the front and the same silhouette. It's gotta be around the same size too.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it was intentional. I mean it it might have been, but um I don't know what the you know, the sort of lore they had while they were cooking this up. Was it like, oh well we had some, you know, leftover Nova class space frames that we appropriated to do this and if if it had been a little closer, I actually thought about putting this on the um the Nova class, like, skeleton SDO so that people could swap oh, parts yeah. between the yeah. Texas and Nova. We didn't end up doing that because the certain key pieces were in the wrong place. But, you know, it is, it's something yeah. that uh, that I considered because it it's a similar size and similar shapes.
0: Then it also draws, like, elements, I feel, from a lot of different, like, Star Trek, like, Starfleet sources yeah. that I feel like it's probably whoever designed it was like, hey, we want to build a small ship and so they're just like, okay, let's look at, you know, a small ship that's, you know, it's good at fighting and it's largely unmanned and they just pulled down a bunch of reference and then kind of went from there.
2: Yeah, um, and the good at fighting is it, It's hard to know
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> if you're not there for, like, sometimes it's very obvious, like, oh yeah, we just wanted an evolution of the Enterprise D or, oh yeah, we needed a ship to translate to the big screen and so you know the the e is stretched. Right. You know, I just sometimes you can see the clear design lineage, and other times it's a little more muddled. Yeah, I don't know. It's true. I do know one thing though. What's the deal with the uh, gold phaser arrays?
2: Are they gold? Have
0: We've seen that before.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, the Prometheus, and I think actually the Nova too. Well, there you go. They're... Shut my mouth. I guess it is <laughs> Nova. Right, hold on, cars. Prometheus might not be, but I know the Nova is.
0: Yeah, just oh, just gave this whole speech about how this isn't necessarily Nova inspired. <laughs> then, there's another example on. of how it's Nova inspired. Uh,
1: and uh, one other thing I wanted to mention about this is the uh, torpedo system on these ships. It's got the the cluster torpedoes going on. Mm-hmm. Don't really see that a lot in Star Trek. I feel like in some next gen, they it, it kind of looks clustery when they, the Enterprise D fires a torpedo and it spreads into a bunch of other torpedoes and and does its thing.
0: Well, that, that was a big part of, like, the... God, who was... What what game was that where they had, like, the Enterprise armaments and they were, like, so di- divorced from what you saw on screen? Like, they had, like, attack shuttles. Oh, and... Starfleet Command, right? Is that no, it, it was... Mm-hmm. This was, like, old school, like, TOS era. Oh.
2: Yeah, Starfleet yeah. command. Like, Starfleet Command Starfleet does missiles sure? and shuttles and stuff. Yeah. But it was start, it had, yeah. They had, like wild weasel shuttles and suicide shuttles. And, uh, yeah. it was, it was a movie era game. So it was all, right. it okay. was, it was all, you know, like,
0: more TOS era, but yeah, yeah. And you're just like, none of this relates to what we saw on screen. And like, some of it you can just be like, okay, well, they just didn't have budget, right? Uh-huh. But other stuff, you're like, you guys are just like, you like this idea and you're shoehorning it. It's,
3: in.
2: Well, it's based on Starfleet Command, uh, the interplay game, is based on a board game called Starfleet Battles.
0: That's what I'm thinking of. Starfleet ah. Battles.
2: Yeah, and Starfleet Battles was. It's actually kind of interesting. So, Starfleet Battles got the Star Trek license between the original series and the motion picture when Paramount didn't give a shit about Star Trek. And And they
0: have a lifetime
2: license. Their license is in perpetuity. Was that Amarillo that did that? Yes, Amarillo's design bureau. I feel like we talked about this before. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And they did a lot of really cool stuff, right? Like a lot of their designs were interesting. They had a lot of kit bashy stuff. But also they did a lot of just out there, you know, but to be fair, they didn't have a lot of screen stuff to to work they through. can't
2: use anything after t o s yep so right. if they mm. so they have to totally they had to fork there's a they literally call it the starfleet battles universe yeah um, <laughs> that is it's no longer Star trek right because they had to fork it because they right. couldn't take advantage of anything that wasn't in their license yep right
0: anyways yes that uh so there is a precedent for the
2: uh <laughs> these torpedoes, the
1: torpedoes uh yeah Uh, I mean, I feel like they do show up in next gen a bit, but definitely something unique about this ship.
0: Not really ship necessarily related, but, and we may have talked about this when we talked about uh, Rude Rutherford's shuttle. Right. It's the M5 computer, right? Screen. Yes. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's also Mm -hmm. in Rutherford's shuttle in their flashback. Makes sense. It's the same guy. Yeah. That's what he was working on. Yeah. For good old Section
1: 31. Yep. Let's move on to the next it's this ship shows up in trusted sources and stars at night. It is the free spirit. It is Petra Aberdeen's ship that uh, Mariner pops on for a while. We were just talking about asymmetrical designs recently. I mean, talk about asymmetrical. This, uh, this ship has got a lot going on. There's a, there's like a cockpit like, in the front and, yeah. and a cell on the side.
0: I mean, it has one nacelle, which bothers me. Right. Mm-hmm. Overall. I like, they don't do this enough in Star Trek. It's like, there's got to be people out there who just want to, you know, explore, Experience. travel to like even known locations, right? Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. going to strange new worlds. They they're going to Beta Z. They they're, they're right. going to, you know, Ferenginar. And there's got to be just like these types of ships everywhere that are just cobbled mm-hmm. together by people.
2: Right. Yeah, I I think this this ship this design does something really smart which is, even though it looks kind of weird, uh, it's clearly not a Starfleet ship, but they include one structure that is very obviously a Star Trek machine, the the, the warp nacelle, right? Yeah. There's no right. confusing that this is a Star Trek ship because of that warp right. nacelle. And I wish there were, like, even with, you know, ships like the La Serena and, um, and other sort of... You know, civilian ships that aren't in Starfleet. I get they're not in Starfleet, but you still want some piece of the design to tell you, oh, this is from Star Trek. Yeah, and, and I, I really, think that's what
0: I really does. like the design of the La Serena. The problem is they had the perfect opportunity to incorporate the warp nacelles into the structure of the ship, and I think that's probably what those, you know, those runners along the sides are—the are, catamaran mm-hmm. pieces. But they just didn't do a good enough job of like communicating that this is a warp nacelle.
2: Yeah. They could have been much more direct about it, which I think would have helped tie it in with the universe.
0: Overall. I liked that design, but we're not talking about the ships of Picard. That's a whole (laughs) other podcast. (laughs) Podcasting (laughs) subject matter.
1: Is this, so what is the little, it looks like a jet engine that's kind of strapped to like the back part of the ship. Yeah. What's, what's going on there? There's so much uh, to
3: this ship I don't
2: understand. It
0: looks more to me like a garbage can. Huh. <laughs> a giant garbage can in space.
2: It could be... I mean, it could be an impulse engine, I guess.
0: I uh, see it yeah, from okay. the back, though? Is it, like, uh, impulsing? Or is it just... Is there an
1: exhaust <laughs> <fine>. on <out> there? <laughs> I don't know. I need to bring up a, a back... Uh, a few that should, well, I don't in, know.
2: in space, impulse engines aren't necessarily always on. No, they're always on, on uh,
0: in Star Trek. I don't know if you've noticed... <laughs> That's
2: yeah, like next
0: that afterwards stationary orbit, Mr. Data, okay, you're stationary. Why are your engines on?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually gonna go back to Picard season three for a second because this is a civilian ship the uh the free Spirit, but compare that to the Elios from mm-hmm. uh, Picard season three that ship also theoretically a civilian ship but has a much more starfleet-y look to it. But Compared to this ship, the Free Spirit, I mean, whole different ballgame. Yeah, bolts are supposed to be civvy ships, though. Well,
0: my canon for the Helios was that it was actually built by the Federation, and the same way they would build uh, ships for they you got know, like surplus ships, yeah. yeah. But this was never like it was either built and then decommissioned. And when ships are decommissioned, as long as they're of a certain class, they allow people to just recommission them themselves. Or it was built specifically mm, for civilian use. Because it was a medical ship, right? The Ilios was?
1: I think, I mean, it, it's a, basically a little ship with the transported supplies, yeah. it felt like. Medical supplies. Totally but yeah. wrong. Um, that, it's interesting to see that together. I, I love seeing the, it, like you like you guys said, it's clearly a Star Trek ship, but mainly because of the nacelle. Yeah. But I love seeing the I do
0: think one other thing that, and I, I, I really wish I had taken the time to, you know, that whole extra you know week we had preparing for this. I feel like all of the design elements of this ship are like cobbled together from other ships we've seen in Star Trek. Oh, hmm. I'm not 100% sure. Like the little, the wing section, that's not really a wing section. I am 90% right. certain that that is from the, actually another ship that we saw in this series, uh, the vessel from Grounded that the Akira is firing on. I think think hmm. nope, nope i'm wrong it's not close enough same basic shape though
1: <laughs> <laughs> you think i mean this has got to be a unique 3d model design No,
0: but i think they're trying to evoke that feeling that this was cobbled together sure sure by, yeah. from like a bunch of different sure. pieces, and i'm willing to bet in doing that they looked at you know ships from across the franchise
1: yeah interesting yeah now that you say it it does look more yeah. cobbled together
0: really yeah. like this ship that, that's my takeaway
1: <laughs> well, let's move on to the last. I can't believe it, guys. After so many hours of doing these two episodes, <laughs> we're finally there. um And of California course, we're going to talk about all the California class ships. Yes, they show up. Uh, actually, aside from the final episode, stars at night, uh, we do get to see another California class ship in mining the mines, mines on yep. the Carlsbad. I love this not only because it has USS San Jose in there that you get a shitty look at, but you know what? It still exists. So suck it. Um, <laughs> they. Interesting thing about this is all of the different paint jobs on the California class ships. Every Uh, uh, mm -hmm. at first, you know, just got the stripe on there, but I mean, here, I mean, all this is canonized. This, this reminds me a lot, Thomas, of the, of the designs you can put on your ships in STO.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. It's, uh, but then again, we've never seen canonical like the, these, well, to my knowledge that I can recall any canonical, type of paint jobs like this on ships before. So did you guys like it?
2: You know what it reminded me of, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but it reminded me of the clone troopers in. Oh yeah. Oh. No, I, I,
0: I totally mm. get that. Uh,
2: Cause they needed, you know, they, they needed to have some personality and differentiation between them. So they, uh, they added a lot of um, different like paint jobs yeah. and like, Oh, if you're, such and such rank you're using these shoulders and right, and then it eventually just became like the clone's own desire for self expression and then they you know right and and other clones i mean that's one of interesting things about having a a um a clone army is I feel like everybody in that army is a lot more empathetic to each other because yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> they they're literally all brothers, so they're yeah, sure yeah, yeah. that they kind of let each other get away with things that you wouldn't necessarily get away with in a regular <laughs> A regular army. But anyway, this isn't about Star Wars. So um, so I think it was, you know, we've got 20 or 30 ships all of the same class. What's, right. a, what's an easy way to, to, yeah. to set them all apart? Well, they or even you?
0: have like slightly different hull tones beyond just, you know, the coloration. Yeah. Like some are lighter and some are darker. Some it's like full bore paint. Others it's just like a stripe here or there. Even different elements of the ship have different tones, right? Yeah. I, don't know. Yeah. I I like it it's one of those things where on the one hand Star Trek so you know super tech doesn't really matter but then I also think back to the you know orange tank on the space shuttle where they're like yeah it used to be white but we stopped painting it because it was so much extra weight just to have paint on there and so now oh, whenever oh, I see a starship that's painted yeah. I'm all like man that's, that's, that's like tons of weight there guys yeah
1: a lot of work yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey maybe space doesn't really weather it uh that badly so you just you stick those little you got those little uh drones yeah. like from discovery you just send one out there and it paints it over uh,
2: the course of like a week you or know, you're
0: producing so much additional thrust <laughs> the little bit of weight doesn't really matter yeah maybe
2: So one of the interesting things i mean if you look at what the california class does the best analogy in the modern navy is an auxiliary ship like uh or a fleet tender um so they these ships um you know they're resupply ships they're repair ships some of them even have like like actual like dock and repair facilities in the ship and they can go up right up next to like a submarine for example and do major repairs on the submarine at sea and that's sort of i think what you know a good example of what the California class is in the Star Trek universe. And we kind of see that with the giant warp core it has, it's overpowered for what it needs, but you know, it uses that power for, to power um, big transporter replicator missions or to provide, you know, settlements with power if they need it. And so I I said all that to say that like you probably in a class like that, like the U S Navy had submarine tenders that were very specifically for repairing and resupplying submarines and then there were like destroyer tenders or something or you know like very specifically for this other type of ship and so i could see this whole color scheme thing being like kind of related to that where it's like well these california classes have this very super specific mission and these guys are all Mm. about colony construction and that's why they're yellow right designed to communicate a role
3: yeah no, go ahead. <laughs> where are you going? So where are you going with
0: this? You know <laughs> I'm about to say something incredibly stupid. So that's a problem I have with Star Trek. <laughs> I'm ready. And ironically, I think the only show that's ever really actually there's a couple of shows. Battlestar Galactica did it, and of all shows, Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda did it. The the View screen, right? Being, like, the main source of looking at things in space and actually, like, seeing them is, like, ridiculous from, like, a just a pure logistics and usable information standpoint. Like, you have a million sensors on these ships. You know, you're looking at things that are, you know, potentially billions of miles away. Like, why are you pointing a camera at it? Like, you would have, like... And it's not even useful information to just look at something other than to say, oh, yeah, that's pretty, man. It's all like, you're going to get all of this data from, oh, you know what? Babylon 5 did it, too. You're going to get all of your data from, like, screen readouts and, you know, plots. And right. you would think that every bridge on board, you know, a vessel in Star Trek would have some sort of, like, hollow display that creates, like, a 3D image of the space like that would be your main like tactical view but i don't know i'm I'm probably wrong
2: <laughs> we saw that in star trek 2 when you know towards when uh, uh yeah. is taking her kobayashi maru test true, yes, there's a, a cool yes. map of the neutral zone and the and i, I agree with you they should have done that like... a lot more
1: don't they show it in star trek 2 when they're circling the planet yeah. with Reliant on the other side
0: Perfect. Like
3: they, they did might a lot have, yeah. of
0: really yeah. like, innovative stuff with how they portrayed space and space travel.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just yeah. like the Genesis. Yeah. Uh, oh
1: my god, these Genesis graphics are amazing! Tech,
2: so futuristic. That was. I mean, I think that was one of the first uses of CG yeah. in a in a major motion picture. Oh, uh, was the Genesis uh, demo? I don't know. I love it.
1: Yeah, anyway, we're talking good. about California class ships here. But I like it. It looks
0: nice. <laughs> I really think it looks good.
1: But back to the paint jobs, if there was a hero ship, like let's say the next Star Trek series, or let's say even the Cerritos, it gets banged up at the end of Stars at Night and we come back in season 4 and you know what? They gave the Cerritos a paint job. It's uh it's got the orange or the yellow uh, you know, paint job. It's it's more serious than it was before. Does that work as a hero ship or are we is it only kind of work because they are, you know, plot wise like a support ship?
2: I, I think it. I think it's yeah. only for for background ships. I think, I think the you want your hero ship to have that kind of clean Starfleet, you know, battleship gray. I think look. it
0: could work, but you would really need to establish a series where the spaceships are colorful and vibrant, and that's not Star Trek.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: Star Trek is not that. Yeah, except for well, the California I mean, class. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, you could. I, I think you can make the argument that the reason the California classes are like that is because more than a lot of other types of Starfleet ships, they're operating in busy, high-traffic areas with a lot of civilians, right? Mm-hmm. They're always going to existing ports. They're working on infrastructure projects. You know, they're building space stations, demolishing moons. You know, like, if you see – it's like a bulldozer, right? That's sort of, like, how I think about it in my mind is, like, these these ships are – you know, bulldozers and construction equipment, they're painted bright yellow because you want – when 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 you when people see them, you want people you to know, them. hey, yeah. be careful, right? Right. And so that's sort of kind of how I see uh, some yeah, of these Yeah, they're like saying, hey, it's a Cali jobs. class.
0: It's not our best and brightest. Forgive us.
1: <laughs> hey, look, it's not Star 80 shuttle pods, all right? It could be a lot worse. Yeah. Well, I think we're out of ships to talk about. I it mean, happened eventually. There, there's, there's never a shortage
0: of ships to talk about. I mean – you just ran out <laughs> of ships for this season.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. But any closing thoughts for the ships of this season? I mean, you talked a little bit about how, you know, the Eagle Boss models have improved the quality. Numerically, it feels like there's a lot more than, than last season when we last talked.
2: Yeah. It, it's. It, I mean, it's quality and quantity, right? Because if they, if they can use those models and they have access to a lot of them, that means that um, the that really just opens up the door on what they can do. They don't have to worry about fitting it into the budget as much.
0: Just like a huge variety of ships. Like,
1: it's true. We got Starfleet ships. We got the cobbled together looking ships. You got
0: shiny ships. You got ships covered in dirt. You got, you know, legacy callbacks Mm -hmm. to previous Trek series. You got brand new, never before seen things. Yeah, I just yeah. You, they they did a little bit of everything. It's it's really that's what it comes down to.
1: We talk yeah. about we keep I and mean, we, Aaron, we've talked about the the quality of the show. Yeah, keeps, I'm I'm you know, really value, really looking
0: forward to seeing what they do with the next season. I I love me some spaceships and I love me some space scenes. So,
1: yeah, I need to figure out. I'm really sad about Eagle Moss going under because there's I can't get a. Uh legit you know cali class upon on my desk now i have to yeah. figure out some other solution get something 3d printed or surprising or something.
2: yeah that's a shame uh, well i know i know master replicas took over their inventory
1: yes i've been keeping i've been keeping abreast yeah. of that but it's hard to find the good stuff
2: right i right, gotta believe no.
0: there's a market for that and somebody will eventually jump into it
2: yeah, yeah certainly the the eagle moss issue was not was yeah. not about star trek uh it was it was pandemic related and
1: but in you know, any event, I yeah. think you have come to a close. Thanks a lot, Thomas, for joining us. Uh, where can uh, people get a hold of you to uh, argue in any details about <laughs> uh, various starships?
2: Is this where, you like, want... you know, you, um, are my, my single days where I asked a girl for a number at a bar and, like, they might, I think so. Yeah. yeah they, it's just like that. And then I call it, and it's pets.com or something. <laughs> um, Anyway, that not to you.
3: That's essentially
2: It actually, not pets. dot com, but actually, I did get a fake number one time. But you know what? Oh, no. I don't. I don't I, progr- don't. I mean, like, don't don't. You no one should be obligated to give the stranger their number at a bar. That's, that's <laughs> true. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I don't. I, don't, I, I have no ill will towards that yeah, woman.
0: Like, I've never been given a fake number, but I have had a girl just straight up say no when I asked her right. to get her number. Hey, yeah. Fake. And I was like, fine. I just right, moved yeah, yeah. on, you know?
2: If, if every man did what you did, we wouldn't need fake numbers.
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I, I sometimes forget that I'm a cut above the average man. Uh, of
2: right. course. Uh, unfortunately, the bar is very low. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I, I think at this uh, point,
0: the bar is closed. <laughs> I
3: see what you yeah. there. <laughs> kind uh... of... Anyway,
1: Thomas, where can yeah. people get hold of you if they uh, want to hear more about? <laughs> your
2: Yeah, at, uh, just uh, Twitter is a great place to chat with me. As long as it still exists, I will be there yeah. at Thomas the Cat. All right, well, Aaron, I think it's time for you to get us out of hey, here.
0: You know, you can do the same. You can follow us on Twitter at Lower Dorks. We'll be back in the future for more coverage. I believe we've got something special coming in Strange New Worlds.
3: But if
0: you don't want to come back if you don't want to follow us on twitter if you just want a ship stavros is waiting for you
1: oh that sounds fun
0: oh i mean maybe for them i'm not sure aren't you married i feel like your wife is going to be angry <laughs> if you start <laughs> oh nipping. that kind of ship i see
1: what you did there yeah okay
0: come on ponder